Praise God. Now, have a look here now with me. We're, we're going to continue talking what we've been talking about, about being led by the Spirit, part eight. I tried to get it out on, Sun, on Wednesday, but the Holy Ghost uh, gave us another, another subject. But uh, I, I kind of ended off, I think, last Sunday talking a little bit about fleeces. So I just wanted to reiterate a few things there. So put up that first quote for me, if you would, please. And uh, I want you to read what Dad Hagen said. He said, it's awfully dangerous for a New Testament spirit-filled Christian to put out fleeces. The most dangerous thing in the world to do for the simple reason that you see this fleece business is in the realm where Satan is God. He is the God of this world. Put up the next one, please. And it says, after I put out a fleece, it backfired on me. He only did it one time in 70 years of ministry. <laughs> and the only time I ever got fleeced is when I put out a fleece. Uh, amen. Put up the next quote for me. He said, the only time in my life I ever missed God relative to a church or preaching or as an evangelist is when I put out a fleece. The rest of the time I just prayed and waited on God until I got an inward witness. Until I knew on the inside of me what to do and I followed that and never missed it anymore then. Never made another mistake. Let me, let me just, a lot of fleeces are scriptural but not scriptural for us. Can something be in the Bible, my brother and sister, but not apply to you? Well, Judas hung himself. I don't think that applies to you. Gideon put out a fleece. You know what a fleece is? People don't even know what a fleece is. We've got to explain it. I know because my, my sons don't know what a fleece is, right? They just came up with all these. I said, what is it? All these different things. A fleece, he just took out like a, it's just like a hide of a, of a lamb. It's just like a lamb skin. Like lamb, furry lamb, okay? Not a live lamb, a dead lamb. Something, you know, like you'd put like a wrap around you. That's what a fleece is. It's lamb fleece. And he put it out. And he said, I'm not going to read it to you, but he said, it's in the Bible if you want to see it in Judges. He said, Lord, if the fleece is wet and, and the ground around it is dry, then I know you want me to do X, Y, Z. And then it, and it was. So then he says, now I'm going to try it again because I'm still nervous about this. So Lord, if the fleece is dry and the ground around it is wet, then I know you want me to do this. And it was. So what was God doing? God was influencing by a miracle, because that's a miracle, because he had to, an angel had to cover that fleece or cover the ground around it, do you understand? So by a miracle, God intervened into the ordinary course of nature. What is a miracle? It's an intervention into the ordinary course of nature. God did a miracle and he intervened in the natural realm so that Gideon, his servant, would know what his will was. Other times the Bible says they would cast lots. Remember the guy with, when AI, the guy didn't tithe and they lost the battle? They cast lots. It's kind of like dice, but it's not dice. They ca they, they, and then they would, they would make decisions based on that. And so they, they, and then the lot landed on this, this tribe and then this sub-tribe and then this family all the way down to Achan. And then, and then he died. Right? So they're, they're, they're casting lots. Now God is influencing supernaturally the outcome of that lot. Because, he got, because they don't have the Holy Ghost. Now, God spoke many times. Why didn't God speak to Joshua that it was Achan? I don't know. You ask God that. I don't know why God didn't speak to him. The point is, is that in that case, they cast lots. Then the high priest had two special stones in his breastplate called Urim and Purim. And the light of God would come and it would shine through these things. And it would give the, I don't know exactly how it all worked because it's kind of mysterious. But it would give the people, the light would shine and give the people direction into what to do. 
Now that, that represents the Spirit of God. The light of God was in his chest, influencing the outcome and showing people what to do. But remember what our main verse is, Proverbs 20, 27. The Spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. What is your spirit? You don't need some stone. You don't need some lots and you don't need no fleece. In the New Testament, the spirit lives within you. And because he's within you, the spirit of a man, you are a spirit with a soul, haven't lived in a body. The spirit of a man is the candle or the light or the enlightenment or the guidance of the Lord. So how's God going to enlighten and guide you through your spirit? Not your mind, not your body, your spirit. So that's why fleeces in the New Testament are only for two groups of people. And people still do this, Greg. People still do this. I've even heard people in my own church talk about it. That's why I'm talking about it, to set you straight. The only flames that, there's only two groups of Christians that do fleeces, because they're they're not permitted. One are those that are ignorant to be led by the Spirit. They don't know that the Holy Ghost is to lead them, so they do this thing like in the Old Testament. And two, they're too lazy to develop their own spirit, and they're too lazy to pray. Kenneth Hagin said it would have been easy. Can I tell you why? The backstory as to why he put the fleece out? Because he was having to make a decision to go. He was in a church. He, it wasn't that much money and, 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 and there was other better churches. See, back then it's totally different to it is now. It was denominational and, and the board would, would call up a pastor and say, if you come over here, we'll vote that to vote the pastor in. Yeah. Now, we don't operate that way, but in denominations they do. We'll vote you in. We'll give you more money than what that church is giving you. And there's a better parsonage. You know what a parsonage is? Not a, not, a, not a partridge in a pear tree. We're not talking about a bird. A parsonage is a little house attached to the back of the church where the pastor would live. Thank God we don't have parsonages anymore. Because they're all broke down, poor, dirt poor parsonages. I don't want no dirt poor parsonage. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Take your parsonage and leave. Now, they, now, some parsonages were nicer than other parsonages. And so some church boards were nicer than other church boards. Some congregations were nicer than other congregations. So the geographic location might have been more affluent or by, by, by a better city. So there was reasons why pastors would leave the church and go somewhere else. It doesn't happen that way much. It does in big denominations, but not really. Not, we're independent, so that doesn't work that way with us. But he was in a church that it was fine, but he kind of saw this other church over there and he thought, well, maybe, maybe I'd like to be over there more. And so he inquired. And so they said, well, uh, we'd like you to come. We've heard about you. This is when Dad Hagen was very young. He was not a well-known, he, nobody knew him. This is in his first 15 years of ministry. So he was an unknown minister and, and not the big titan that you think of today. And so they said, we'll, we'll, we'll have you come. So then Brother Hagen, this is the only time he ever did it in his life. He said, Lord, if you, he didn't feel like, I heard him say with his own mouth, he said, it was a lot easier for me to put out a fleece than it was to pray. I don't have to, if I put out a fleece, I don't have to pray. I don't have to fast. I don't have to wait on God. Because it's just a simple, quick fix fleece. Do you understand? So lazy Christians like fleeces. Because they don't want to pay the price of, of what it needs for God to get things over to you. And so what they're doing now is unlike the Old Testament where God supernaturally protected the outcome because he knew they had no other choice. But in the New Testament there's another way, a better way. So God will not protect the outcome of a fleece. He won't. 
If you're a baby Christian and you know nothing and you've never heard that fleeces are wrong and you're making a life and death decision, I suppose in his mercy he will protect the outcome. But, in, but for all of us in this room, that doesn't apply to you because you're being taught. So don't make that excuse. So people that don't want to pray, put this out. But God says in the New Testament, I've given you a much better way. I'm not going to protect the outcome of all these natural things. Why? Because the Bible says that the world, this system is God, Satan is the God of this world. This is what Dan Hagen called Satan's territory. The world and the soul realm is Satan's territory. He can influence outcomes. So Dan Hagen said, Father, because all the other ministers in the Pentecostal churches were telling him to put out a fleece. The Baptists never talked about it much, but the Pentecostals were really big on fleeces back in the 30s and 40s. And so he said, Father, I put a fleece out before you. If this church votes 100% in agreement, this new church, for me to return, then I'll know that's your will. And I'll go. And so, lo and behold, the church voted 100%, which is rare for a church to vote 100%. And he knew that. So they voted 100%. And so he left his ministry and he went, he, he changed over. And it was better money and a bigger parsonage. And he got there and he said, I was in my study. You know, he signed a 14-month contract. You have to be there for 14 months. That's the deal. Minimum. And hopefully you stay longer. And he said, I got there into my study and he said, I feel the anointing of God as I'm studying. And he said, the fire of God is on me as I'm studying. And he said, I get up to preach my first sermon. And he said, it's like somebody poured a bucket of cold water over my head. There was not one ounce of the anointing. There was no inspiration. There was no, and there was no help from the Holy Ghost. It was like, it was like giving a, a speech. And he thought, well, then maybe, maybe, maybe this is just a one-time thing. So the next week, he's fired up. He's got the anointing. He gets in dead. Greg, for 14 months, he preached. And he said, not one sermon in 14 months had the anointing. This is Kenneth E. Hagin we're talking about. To the point where Aretha, his wife, came to him and said, and if it's okay, I'll quote what she said. She said, uh, honey, you've got to where you can give a pretty good talk. <laughs> a preacher doesn't like to hear his wife say talk instead of sermon or preach. Honey, got to the point where you can give a pretty good talk. Because for 14 months he's ministered, quote unquote, without the anointing. Not one sermon was anointed, he said. Not one sermon had the power of God on it. Not one sermon had the inspiration of God by the gift of prophecy or anything like that. And it was just like reading speeches for 14 months. Now, Dad Hagen said, the one time I put out a fleece, this is what happens. Why did that happen? I'm giving you little nuggets as we go here because this is more than just fleeces. There's other nuggets if you listen. Why did I have that, that hard, heavy, oppressive, grinding feel when I did the Friday night service? See, the Lord said to me, you can, but it's not going to work. I don't suggest you do that. Now, I thought it was a choice because he said you can. But God never really gives you a choice. Technically, Taylor, it's a choice between his perfect will and his permissive will. At least I'm not out of his will, but I'm out of his perfect will. So from that perspective, it's a choice. But hey, when you choose to take God up on being in his permissive will, not perfect will, you will pay a price. 
Because the anointing is not in the permissive will the way it is in the perfect will. Things to, listen, when people don't, don't come to the right church and they're in another church for whatever reason and it's not them, things are harder and things are more grinding and things don't work right for them because they might be in a church, but it's not where God asked them to be. It's not his perfect place for them. So what I'm saying is I know I've learned when I'm not where I'm supposed to be, there's no anointing. That's one way I know. Pastor Nancy had the anointing for 25 years. And then when she switched over at the 25-year mark, which was five years ago almost now, when she switched over into the traveling ministry and she, and she had accepted that, she wasn't being rebellious. But, you know, the church still didn't have, you know, she was still kind of helping Morgan because, you know, she just kind of wanted to help transition Morgan a little bit. And so she kind of would still preach a little bit at the church. And, of course, she's traveling. And she said for three services... As she got up there as knowing she's not the pastor but fulfilling the pastoral role there was not one ounce of anointing on her it was hard and dry and almost scary because when you know the anointing and you don't have it that's scary and she said it happened three times and the Lord said to her if you ever try to do the work of a pastor again this is what you're going to experience for the like this is it this dry desert is going to be your portion don't you can preach at the church but not as the pastor you see because God God takes it seriously when people are in the wrong office so one of the biggest ways that I know that that that, that is, a, is a constant confirmation to me that I'm in the will of God that I'm doing the right thing is the anointing is there when the anointing is and I know you may not know but the minister knows when the anointing is on him or her or not and you see, when I was out, even in the permissive will, not even, I, was, I wasn't out of the will, I just wasn't in the perfect will about the Friday night service. It became burdensome. It became hard. It became laborious. It wasn't light and easy. You see, if there's not light and easy, you're out of the perfect will of God. You've got to find out what that perfect will is. So the anointing was still there to Greg, but it, it was less because I was in the permissive will of God. And Dad Hagen said the anointing, I don't even think he was in the permissive will. I think he was completely out of the will. That's why there was no anointing. Do you, are you following? When you're out of the will of God, there's no anointing. When you're in the permissive will of God, there's a little bit of anointing. When you're in the perfect will of God, there's, there's the right amount of anointing. And so for 14 months, Pastor Nancy did it for three sermons. She could barely take it. I did it for six weeks, which is what, six services? I could barely take it. 14 months without the anointing? But he made a contract. And Dad Hagen always said, you keep your word. You keep your word. He knew he was out of the will of God. His wife knew she, he was out of the will of God. But they held their word and they did that contract because the church wouldn't release them. And he said, I didn't need a fleece and I didn't need even God to speak to me. The first day, the 14 months ended, I was gone. Because he knew it was wrong. Are you with me? Why did he put the fleece out? Father, if, if this happens, then you are now showing me that this is your will. Anything out there in this realm that you are asking to outcome a certain way to then reveal his will is wrong. And people still do this. I heard somebody last month say, in, in passing, not to me, but to somebody else, I've got two job offers, but you know, if this job offer gives me $65,000, I know that's God's will, I'm going to take it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That is a fleece. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. 
Whether you call it that or not, that is a fleece. You are not being led by the Spirit as to the job you should take. You are saying if the outcome is a certain way, you will do it. And if the outcome is not a certain way, if they don't say what you want them to say, then you're saying that's not God's will. But that could have been God's will even though it wasn't the higher salary. Because God knows the things you don't see. He knows the boss and the job that you think you want could end up being the devil. He knows that there could be this person assaulting you and this harassing you and this and that. He knows everything. He knows the door for the next job that even though this job doesn't look very good and your boss may not be the best, but he knows you're going to meet somebody and it's going to open something and you're going to go through that door, leave that job in your rear view mirror. But the thing that he wants you to get, he's trying to position you to get. But you don't see that door and you don't see that person, but God does. All you're looking at it is money or close convenience to home, right? So that's why fleeces are for lazy Christians and Christians that, or Christians that do not understand their spirit. So Dad Hagen learned, don't put out the fleece. And the only time he ever missed God in seven years of ministry was this occasion when he put out a fleece. Hallelujah. <laughs> well, praise the Lord. Now, let's talk a little bit about open doors because people talk a lot about open doors as well. And open doors is a little bit grayer than fleeces because there's no reference of fleecing in the New Testament. There's only in the Old. So that's cut and dry. But with open doors, there are references in the New Testament. So can we look at a few of them? Firstly, uh, I'll just quote you. I won't have you open it. Uh, turn, turn while I'm talking to 2 Corinthians 2. But I'll just, it takes you forever to find it, praise God. So I'll just keep going here. There, the Colossians 4.3 says, A door of utterance is opened unto me to preach. A door of utterance is not what we're talking about here, an open door. That's different. It's just saying God gave me an opportunity to utter the gospel. Acts 14.27 says that God opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. That's again, it's got the word door, but it's not really talking about what we're talking about. It's not an open door in terms of your personal life. He's just saying he opened up the gospel to, 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 to barbarians and Gentiles. Well, so what about Revelations 3.20? Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. It's got the word door, but it's talking about your heart. God's knocking at every heart. But that's not an open door the way we're referring to an open door. So just because you see the word door doesn't mean it's what we're talking about, okay? Now, have a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. Are you okay this morning? Are you sure? 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. And it says this, Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, and a door was opened unto me of the Lord. And a door was opened unto me of the Lord. Which means the Lord can open a door. Because it says it. This is New Testament doctrine. Okay? Now have a look at 1 Corinthians 16, 9. For a great and effectual door is opened unto me, and there are many adversaries. So when you go through a new season of your life and God opens something and you go through it, there's going to be attacks. So just be aware of that. Amen? But you see that it says a great and effectual door, Taylor. That means that God opened a door. You notice there's no reference to fleecing in the New Testament. That's only old. So that's a cut and dried issue. But see, with Christians, now it's a little bit more slippery. It's a little bit more gray zone because we've got these verses that talk legitimately about God opening doors. But if you're not careful, you'll make the door a fleece. And that's what I'm trying to, to warn you against. Now have a look at Revelations chapter 3 and verse 7 to 8. 
Revelations 3. Now this is actually quoting Isaiah 22:22. It's quoting the Old Testament, but Revelations chapter 3 and verse 7 to 8. Let's let's read that because this is an interesting verse. And to the angel of the church of Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth and no man openeth. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast little strength and hast kept my word and hast not denied my name. Notice that he says that Jesus can open doors that nobody can shut and shut doors that nobody can open. In other words, Jesus has the authority from heaven in our lives to intervene in situations so that things that he wants to happen are going to happen no matter what anybody says. And things that he doesn't want to happen are not going to happen no matter how, how hard anybody tries. That's the opening and the shutting. But now if you look at verse 8, he said, I set before thee an open door and no man can shut it. In other words, this, I want you to go, I want you to do something. I want you to walk through this door and, and fulfill this assignment. And nobody is going to be able to stop you, even though there might be persecution and people try to stop you, but they won't be able to. Because when I tell you to do something, my power is with you to do it. So you see, doors, according to these three scriptures, and these are the main three scriptures, if not the only three scriptures in the New Testament, that talk in the context of doors being for your future and guidance. 2 Corinthians 2.12, 1 Corinthians 6.9, and Revelations 3.7 and 8. These scriptures are talking about doors that God, opportunities, assignments that God opens. Okay, now, here's the danger. People can say if the door opens, it, it's not complicated, but just concentrate and you'll see what I'm saying. You can look at it and say, well, if the door opens, that's automatically the will of God. But you don't know if God opened the door or if the devil opened the door. And Dad Hagen said, listen to me, I'm quoting him, just as many times as God opens a door, the devil opens a door. The devil is very good at opening doors. And I would even venture to say in sometimes more cases than the other, the devil's opening the door, not God. Why? Dad Hagen said, why can the devil open doors and counterfeit it as God? Because he's the God of this world. When you're dealing with doors and opportunities out there in the world, you're on his territory. He can influence his territory. So a door opens and you think it's a great deal and you assume it's God. Then you claim this verse. The great and perfect door is open unto me and there are many adversaries. See, I'm being beaten up by the devil because I'm going through God's door. And it may not be anything about that. You may be being beaten up because the anointing is not with you and you've opened a door to the devil by going through the door that he opened. You see how people can twist things? You don't just take an opportunity and assume it's God. That's all I'm trying to say to you. God can open doors and he does and he will. And when he does it, nobody can shut it. But just because an opportunity presents itself to you, which is quote, quote unquote, a door, don't assume that the opportunity automatically comes from God. Are you listening to me, Christian? I'm trying to help you. Christians have this delusion. Because I'm a Christian, God's watching out for me. And there's a measure of truth to that, but there's also a measure of falsity. They think because I'm a Christian, God won't let anything bad happen to me. Listen, because you're a Christian, God defeated the devil. 
and he will protect you in all cases. But just because you're a Christian does not mean that the devil can't tempt you. Doesn't mean the devil can't attack you. Doesn't mean the devil can't test you. Doesn't mean the devil can't offer you something that looks really good, but underneath it's really bad. The devil offered Eve a door and it looked really good. If you eat this, you're going to be just like God. Don't listen to that raggedy husband of yours. If you eat this, you're going to be just like God. God knows it. He knows it. That's why he don't want you to do it because he's jealous. He don't want you to be like him. And she presented a door to Eve that looked amazing, but it wasn't from God. And we are all paying the price of Eve's going through the open door. Maybe when we sing the song, Beyond the Open Door, we'll think of it differently a little bit when we think of Eve going through the devil door. And I'm paying the price today, Sonia, because of the devil door that she went through. Praise God. I'm just saying to you, sometimes things look like they're God, but you, just because they're presented, just because they're shiny, just because they're glittery and glamorous and new and sweet and money, and they have a six pack and they have glorious hair, just because it's presented in a beautiful package does not mean that God authored it. And that's all I'm saying. Christians get this idea. If a door opens, it must be God. And I'm telling you, it's not. God can open a door, but here's the difference. Here's how you tell if it's God or the devil. It's very simple. Look down into your spirit. Don't let the door have a voice. Let your, the voice of your spirit be the guide that you follow. Lots of doors open to me. That doesn't mean that God authored them. Even still, there's lots of countries that have invited me to come. 27 to be exact. Please come, please preach. We've got a conference here. Gonna, that's an open door. But when I look down into my spirit, man, at this open door that is presented to me, Taylor, see, just because the opportunity came does not mean, and some of those opportunities had money attached to it. In fact, before I started this church, there was a church down in Louisiana that somebody who didn't want me to start this church helped organize out of a false motive. And they were offering me over 100,000 US dollars. US, I said US dollars. That's like 700,000 Canadian. <laughs> I'm talking US dollars, over 100,000, over, I said over 100,000 US dollars. To start with bonuses and raises, imminent. A nice big church, hundreds of people. And it was offered to me, please go to the United States and fulfill the call of God. Now that's an open door, right? That's a great opportunity for a guy that's looking to start a church or wanting a church and you get that. Most people, that's a dream come true. And Matthew, they had the guy come from Eastern United States and said, be my, be my church planter. I'll give you a house in the States. All your expenses paid in Liberia. That was an open door. Then another one came from Wisconsin or whatever it was, wherever it was, somewhere up there. So the same thing. Be our church planter in Liberia. We'll pay everything. We'll give you two houses. Open door. Just because a great opportunity presents itself does not mean God had anything to do with it. In fact, most cases, the devil is authoring it. 
because he's trying to pull you away with the money and with the glitter and with the easy life. He's trying to pull you out of the will of God. And he knows if he can get your flesh, if he can get the hook in your flesh with money and with an easy life, you'll probably take it. So I've learned when, when that opportunity came, I had to, just because it's a door doesn't mean it's God. So I had, I, I don't judge the door. I judge my spirit. I look down into my spirit. And when there was a check, I go, ah, that door's from you, devil. But when there's a peace, I say, ah, that door's from you, Holy Ghost. Now I can claim 1 Corinthians 16, 9 and 2 Corinthians 2, 12 and Revelations 3, 7 and 8. Now I can claim you've opened a door for me and no man is going to be able to shut it. There may be adversaries, but your blessing is going to be on me. I walk through. Now I can sing beyond the open door. There's a new and fresh anointing. Now I can sing that song because I checked my spirit and I know that that was God's hand. Now I can walk through, but before I walk through, I better check. You see, we're not led by doors. We're led by the spirit because the door can be influenced by Satan. Are you with me? Praise God. Don't let the door have the voice. Follow the voice of your spirit about the door. Don't let the door talk to you because a lot of people, well, Lord, if you open this door, then I'll know, oh, how many times, Gary, have I heard people say that? If you open this door, then I'll know you're in it. I've even heard a young lady say, if he calls me back. You see, that's a fleece. That's, that's using the open door as a fleece for the purpose of guidance. God does not guide you through items, fleeces, or opportunities. He does not guide you through this realm because this realm can be counterfeited and mimicked. He guides you the candle. The spirit of a man is the candle. The guidance of God comes into your spirit. Romans 8, 14, that we, the, the, the Holy Ghost, them that, are the, them that are sons of God are led by the Spirit, verse 16, and the Spirit bears witness with our spirits, not with our minds, not with the doors, not with the fleeces. He bears witness with our spirits that we're the children of God. That's how God operates because he is spirit. How can he talk to you if he's spirit? He has to talk to your spirit. Are you with me? Hallelujah. Are you sure? Do you understand that about the doors? God wants to give you open doors, but he's not going to lead you by doors. He's going to lead you by the inner witness. And you better make sure you check that inner witness before you go through the door. Now, I wasn't going to share this now, but I, I just felt prompted, so I will. Turn to Acts 16, 9. Acts 16, 9. Praise God. I sure love you all. I'm telling you something about it. I feel sorry for all those other pastors. They're sheep. I wouldn't want to pastor them for all the money in the world. I'm so grateful I have people like Beverly to beat me up in the back room and <laughs> praise God. Beverly, I love you. You're so special to me. Amen. I mean it. Uh, Acts 16. Hallelujah. Now, can you read with me? Have a look uh, in verse, verse 4. And as they were went through the cities, they delivered them the decrees for them to keep, for they were ordained of the apostles and elders which were at Jerusalem. And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. Now when they had gone through Phygria and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. Did you notice that? This is Paul and his company traveling on a missionary journey. 
Now they've just gone through and established verse 5. Now they've, they've gone through Phygria and the region of Galatia, and now they're continuing their journey. But what happened? They were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach. But I thought the Holy Ghost wanted us to preach. He doesn't want you to preach everywhere. There's because you could die. <laughs> there's certain dangers. There's certain hard hearts that are not ready for the gospel. And he's going to lead you to the places where they're ready for the gospel. Primarily. Not only, but you know what I'm saying. Now, and then they were come, verse 7, and they were come to Messiah. They essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. Did you see that? They're in Galatia and they're going to go now into Asia and there's a forbidding. So then they turn. They come to Messiah and they're preaching there. Now they're saying to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not, did not allow them to. Did you notice that? And they were passing, as they were passing by Messiah, because remember, they were in Messiah on the way to Bithynia and the Lord said no. Now they're passing by Messiah, they come down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Now, I want you to notice something very important. Dad Hagen taught us well. He said, You are primarily led by red lights, not green lights. Now that doesn't mean you can't be led by green lights, but you are primarily led by red lights. As I get into the series a little bit more and, and, and try to listen to every, every, every service because I'm not repeating things and what I'm sharing in the one o'clock is very, did you know there's three, there's actually three voices? I know people make fun as though you're hearing voices, but there's actually three voices. There's the inner witness, there's the inner voice, and there's the Spirit's voice. All three are distinctly different. Many times I know when, well I know when it's the inner witness, but I also know when it's my inner voice. My inner voice is a little stronger than the inner witness, but it's not the Spirit, it's my Spirit speaking to me. And then there's the Spirit's voice, which has much more authoritative tones to it when He speaks to me. And I know that's the Spirit, that's not my Spirit. And I'm getting skillful over the years to discern if it's the Spirit's voice, my inner voice, or my inner witness. The inner witness is not a voice. The inner witness is a knowing. It's a sense. It's a knowing. You just, there's a witness you know, but it's not words. It's not a voice. Your Spirit can speak to you. Your Spirit hears what the Spirit of God in you is saying and will talk to you. That is what we call the still small voice is your Spirit. People get this wrong all the time. They call the Holy Spirit's voice the still small voice. It's not. Right. Your spirit is the still small voice. It's the little gentle voice on the inside. When the spirit, now it's influenced by the spirit that lives in your spirit. But when the spirit speaks to you, you'll know it. Yeah. Yeah. And many times it's not still or small. <laughs> when the spirit of God speaks to me, that's when I go, oh my God, did anybody hear that? Do you hear that? That's the spirit speaking. And you almost feel like you're hearing it with your physical ears, even though you're not. But it feels like your physical ears because it's that authoritative. It's not a still small voice. It's an authoritative voice. Your own, see a lot of Christians, Errol, they have not been taught this, so they don't know that the, the still small voice on the inside of you is your own spirit 
speaking by the Holy Ghost. Your spirit is searching out the inward parts of the belly. The Holy Ghost lives in your spirit. Your spirit is aware of what the Holy Ghost wants and what he said. You are a spirit. Your spirit is the one that's going to go to heaven, not your body. Your spirit is a real person. It's the real you. It's there in your belly region. It's the real part of you, the redeemed part of you. The DNA, God's DNA is in your spirit. Your spirit, the Holy Ghost lives in your spirit, not your mind, not your body. The spirit in your spirit will speak to your spirit and your spirit can speak to you what the spirit of God has said. That's the still small voice. But when the Spirit of God actually speaks to you in a way that is, that is direct, you know it is not really, it can be still and small, but in my experience and in Dad Hagen's experience, it is not usually still small. When the Spirit speaks to you, it has authority to it. And many times you think that you've heard something with your physical ears because it's that loud in your spirit. Do you see the difference? I'm getting going to get into that. I'm not even supposed to be talking about that now, but I'm getting into that. So I want, I want you to listen to every service because it'll help you. Don't just get lazy and go, oh, I know all that stuff already. There's stuff that will help you. And if you do know it, it will strengthen you. Now, now the, this, this inner witness, Reverend Greg, is where we have that, that velvety feeling, that, that good green light, that sense of peace and joy. That's the spirit of God bearing witness. Go ahead. But when there's that check, that uneasiness, that hesitation, I don't know. Don't consult your mind because your mind may want to do something. But inside here, there's a sense of hesitancy. Don't do it. Not, but not, sometimes there's hesitancy in your mind because you don't want to spend the money. But that's not your spirit. Sometimes there's hesitancy in your mind because you don't like crickets. And you don't want to go camping because there's crickets. But that's up here. But then you say, oh, no, I have a hesitancy in my spirit. I better not go. But it's not got nothing to do with your spirit. It's to do with your mind. Do you understand? You understand what I'm saying? Sometimes you don't like to go on the highway. Oh, no, the Holy Ghost doesn't want me to go on that. It's got nothing to do with the Holy Ghost. It's your fear in your mind that doesn't want to go on the highway. But other times there'll be a hesitancy when you're not afraid to go on the highway. Don't go on the highway. That's your spirit. So you got you to check yourself. you got to learn to tell the difference. Where is this red light? Is this my soul or is this my spirit? But the, the red light on the inside, Dan Hagen taught us you're led more by red lights. Not only, you're just led more by red lights. Now watch, watch, watch this man, Paul, now. He is going to preach. Notice, he didn't say that God told him where to go. Everybody's waiting for this big voice. Tell me what to do, Lord. Tell me what to do. Just start the business. Just start it. Oh, no, no, but I, but I can't do nothing until you speak to me. That's not scriptural. Paul didn't have an instruction as to where to go. God had not showed it to him. So what did he do? He was, he's going to Galatia. He's preaching the gospel. And he just feel, felt good to him. Let me turn over now to Asia. But when he made the wrong decision, the Holy Ghost, red light, it says, forbade me. The Holy Ghost said, don't do that. So he's just following what he feels is right, and if he's making a mistake, there's a stop. So then what does he do? He turns back to Messiah, and he's going to go to Bithynia, but as he's planning on going to Bithynia, see, God didn't tell him, Taylor, where to go. Yeah. Everybody's waiting for all this extra information. God does not always give you the extra information. I'm trying to, I'm trying to help you. He does not always tell you. 
In fact, the Bible says we see through a glass dimly. You ever see that commercial where you, where the, 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 against drunk driving and the guy's driving on the highway and they put one glass and then they say now two drinks and they put it on and the more glasses, the more vague and not crisp the sight is. Well, you know, we're not, I'm not trying to use the alcohol example. I'm just saying as believers, when, we, when we're led by the Spirit, it's like there's a glass. In fact, Paul even said, I see through a glass dimly. Yeah. In other words, I have a sense. I kind of see there's, a, there's something there. I kind of know kind of what it is, but I don't know every detail. Now, sometimes you will know every detail by the word of knowledge or by the word of wisdom. But you don't always know unless he chooses to show you. Sometimes you just have a sense, you just, you see in a glass dimly, you don't really know, but listen, don't worry about it because this is the wonderful safety net. You've got the helper. He loves you more than you love him. He doesn't want you to fail. He is going to prompt you and guide you the minute you step off the path. So you don't have to have the whole knowledge of the whole path laid out before you. Just start walking. And if you feel in your heart to go this direction, then start. And if the Holy Ghost doesn't want it, he'll say, no, don't do that. And then you start going over toward Bithynia. And then he says, no, I don't, don't suffer you to do that. So you see, the Holy Ghost put boundaries there as he tried to steer off because God never told him. Now, sometimes God does tell you. Sometimes God says, go to this place. But many times he does not tell you. He's just having you be led by the Spirit as you walk. If you don't worry, if you step off, he'll be there. If you step off, he'll be there. And then what? God still didn't speak to him, but he had a dream. Now, don't get dreams higher than they should be. But in this situation, he had a dream. The man from Macedonia saying, come. And he assuredly gathered that that was the Lord leading him through that dream. Because remember, God can lead us through dreams. He can also lead us through prophecies. He can lead us through animals. Like the donkey. Does it happen very often? Will it ever happen in your life? Probably not, but he can. Technically, he can lead you through a lot of different ways. So in this case, he happened to lead him through a dream, but that's not the, he can't claim a dream. He can't seek after a dream because the only guarantee you've got is the inner knowing. He used the inner witness to say no, to say no, but now he doesn't really know where to go. He's, at, he's, at, uh, uh, he's, he's on his way. He's barred him from Bithany. Now, now, Lord, what do I do? And then God decided to reveal it to him through a dream. Didn't have to, but he chose to do it that way. And in that dream, he knew by his spirit. See, now watch. Are you listening? He still had to take the dream and check it to his spirit. It doesn't say that, but we know that that's doctrine because the only a dream can be counterfeited. The devil is in that realm, but your spirit, the devil does not live in your spirit. The only thing that he can never mimic is what comes out of your spirit because it's sealed tight by the blood of Jesus. Only the Holy Ghost, no demons, no darkness, or no sickness, nothing lives, no sin. It's only God that lives in your spirit. And so out of it comes God's perfect will. So even if you get a dream, check it to make sure there's an inward witness. It doesn't say it, but I know that Paul did because he was skillful and he would have checked it. And he said, no, I assuredly gather the Lord wants me to go. And so they go over there to Macedonia and they preach. Did you notice that God didn't tell him, do this, go there? He wasn't led by the greens. He was just led by the, no, 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 don't do that. No, don't do that. So sometimes we just keep walking, just keep walking, go with what feels peace and joy. What's good. Just keep walking. You don't need God to tell you everything. Just keep walking. Just keep walking. And if you're stepping off, no, yeah. Yeah. just keep going. Yeah. 
You say, but I don't, that, that doesn't feel like I'm leaning. You see, you're looking for something to feel. You don't need to feel anything dramatic to be led by the Spirit. God revealed to my wife in the prayer meeting that we were going to have a property to pray in. It was, I, didn't, I didn't even necessarily want it. I mean, I wasn't looking for it. I'm not, I'm not even on my radar. So she says it to me and I says, well, okay, that's fine. I mean, I, I don't really want to spend more money right now, but okay, that's what God wants. So I prayed and God got it over to me. And I knew, he didn't speak to me, Greg. I just knew by the inner witness, this is right. Yeah. So then we're up there for another reason, uh, not totally unrelated and up north. And so the Holy Ghost prompted me. Why don't you start looking at properties right now? Wow. I said, but Lord, you're talking five years from now. For sure you're talking five years from now. We don't have money to do this because I'm thinking me personally. And he said, when I say you, son, I'm talking about the church because you run the church. I said, you want the church? See, now, see, now this is the inner voice, but he's starting to reveal to me. Now, we went to this property. We went to a real estate agent up in Huntsville, and we saw that we, there's this open property. It's got no structures on it, but it's a gorgeous piece of land, beautiful piece of land, very good price, 45 acres, very large, and you can build structures on it. And I call Errol and I say, Errol, I don't know what you think, brother. And, 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 and he says, well, he said, you know, is there anything illegal about this? I mean, are we allowed to build structures? I mean, what is the government? And he, so he's, he says, yes, yes, if that's in your heart, we can do that. We can build structures. That's fine. So I say to the guy, okay, uh, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to come back tomorrow and I'm going to give you a date where I'm going to go see it. So then I got, I'm so excited because I know this is God. I know that the property is God, but I don't know which property. So I said, Jennifer, we've got nothing else to do. The TV, uh, I don't want to watch TV. Let's just go for a drive. So we drove an hour further north and we got into the, now we didn't exactly know because it's land. It's not, right. doesn't have structures, but we knew by the GPS where it was. And so we kind of got there and we're kind of trying to peek through the trees because it's just full of trees. You can't really see anything. And I thought, well, this could be, this could be promise of life. Okay. This could be this property. And we knocked down those trees and we built some cottages and we do this and build a, a center for prayer. And all right, Lord, I, I can see it, Lord. And you know, and so we drive back and I go to bed and I'm, and I cold air and I'm, I'm excited. I said, this my, I think this is it. I think this is it. But you see, all I know is that he said there's a property. Yeah. I don't know anything else. So what am I doing? I'm just walking. Yeah. I'm putting feet. Yeah. I'm putting action. Yeah. I'm trying. I'm not just sitting there like a lump on a log waiting for God to push me. Yeah. I'm making movement. I'm saying, well, what could it be this one? What could it be? See what Paul's doing? Well, can I go to Bithynia? No. Well, can I go to Asia? No. Yeah. Where do you want me to go? Oh, Macedonia. So I'm on this property, but I see, I did, felt good when I was on the property, but I woke up the next morning. That's why it's so important to sleep. No, because your spirit will upload to your mind while you're sleeping. You know why? Because your mind is buzzing like a little beehive because you're emotional. You see, I'm emotional and my mind is buzzing and I can't hear the spirit say no because I'm excited. That's why it's very dangerous to make decisions when you're excited. And don't make decisions about people, you know, mates. I don't mean like the good day mate, that kind of mate. I'm talking about life mates. Don't make decisions when you're excited. And when you've got hormones added to the mix, that's even more dangerous. Okay, anyway. So, but I woke up the next morning and as soon as I opened my eyes, I felt I'm going to throw up. I don't mean physically, in my spirit. Yeah. 
And I immediately said, did I miss it about the property as a whole? How could I have been so stupid? How could I have missed that? And, I heard, and then the Holy Ghost spoke to me and he said, no, son, there is a property, but it's not that one. He said, I don't want you to t waste your time building structures. I have one for you and it's all made already. But you see, it felt good the night before, Greg, because I'm emotional. But I let my spirit rise up and then I knew, no. So what was he doing? He forbade me. So then I, I don't want to be like Paul that gets forbidden again. I don't want to waste any more time. I said, you know what? Forget that. We're not looking at any more properties. We'll just go home and look at it online. It's a lot less gas and a lot easier than trying to trapeze through the jungle. Let me just go online. And so, but you see, I kept making movement and Jenny and Jenny and Jenny, she sees, she looks up and she sees this thing and she says, what do you think about this? And as soon as I looked at it, I thought, oh, that feels good. But then I'm nervous because the other one felt good too. So I said, you know what? We're not making any decisions. Let me sleep. I woke up the next morning and I didn't have that check. Then I spent time praying and fasting and waiting on God. And I said, no, Lord, and I still didn't have that check. I did that for two, three days. Then I called the agent and said, I'm coming up to see it. I still haven't made a decision. All I know is that there's no forbidding. So then I get up there and as soon as I put my left foot out of the van door and I touched that property, there was a jump in my spirit like this. And the Lord said, this is yours. So now that I know it's ours, now I'm looking around going, my Lord Jesus, help me, Jesus. Help me, Lord. Look at this place. Lord, it's so nice. Then I, then I get emotional because the decision's made by my spirit, not by my motions or my mind. Did you notice that you don't have to have God show you everything at once? You just start to walk. And yes, you may make some mistakes, but that's okay. It's not really a mistake. It's, don't look at it like a negative. You're just, you're just traversing the path. If you step a little bit off into the dirt, the precious Holy Ghost who loves you so much, he doesn't want you to make a mistake. He'll forbid you and he'll, it will be clear. You'll know. Don't do that. And then just keep going. See, he led, leads us by those checks. Amen. Hallelujah. Don't put out a fleece. Look to your spirit. Don't make the open door God's voice. Check your spirit if he opened it or if something else opened it. Just make movement. Don't try to super spiritualize everything. You know, with my business, I didn't super spiritualize anything. I just, I didn't feel spiritual. He just said, I'm going to give you something to help supplement your income because I, I want you to have extra. I said, okay, Lord, I appreciate that. And he said, so that when people judge you in the future, you can blame your business instead of the church. Because <laughs> some people don't like ministers having things. Then they'll think that you stole money from the church. But I'm not. I never have, never will. But, but, but now, now, now I don't have to worry about that because anybody asks me, I, I have my own business. Thank you very much. Yes, yes. But I didn't know where to start. All I, I didn't even know. I just knew the category. I didn't even know what specifically, Greg. I just started walking. I've learned just walk. Yeah. And, I, and I stepped off the path more times than I can count. But the Holy Ghost said, no, no, don't do that. No, no, no. But as he's telling you no, he's showing you which way. Yeah. Until finally it starts to click, 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 click. And then there's a peace and a joy. And then I've narrowed this now. Now after months and months, I've narrowed it down to a well-oiled machine that takes me less than an hour a day. And God's blessing it. 
But it take a lo- took a long time to get to that place by a lot of missteps, nothing damaging, nothing that God's mad at me about because he knows if he doesn't give me exact instruction, I might step off the path a little bit and he's okay with that. Just follow the inward checks and the inward witnesses and you'll stay on the path and he'll, and he'll, and he'll help you. Praise God. That's what he wants. He wants to help us. Glory to God. I didn't get as far as I wanted. Probably Reverend Greg's fault, like most things are. But I got, I got a little bit of the way. I want to talk to you. Please watch the next service because I want to focus a lot on the difference between the inner witness, the inner voice, and the voice of the Spirit. Very, very helpful. Very, very helpful. It will help you know the difference between your Spirit and the Holy Ghost. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you. We don't make decisions based on good opportunities. Lord, we make decisions based on the leading of the Holy Ghost in our spirits. We have a right to be led. We are sons of God. We have a right to the bearing of witness in our spirits by the Holy Ghost as the primary number one way you lead us. We have a right to know the bearing of witness. And if we're going based on the green lights and the peace and joy and what's light and easy and what feels right in our hearts and we step off a little bit, it's okay. You'll get us right back on the path. That is not a failure. A misstep is not a failure. Lord, when we misstep and we keep going where you forbade us to go, that is a failure. But when we take a little step off and you say, no, son, don't go there. No, son, don't go there. That is not a failure. That is us walking the path and learning the path of God. So I thank you that they learn to follow the inward witness of the Holy Ghost. They learn to follow those checks, that uneasiness, when there's something that doesn't seem right, that they would follow that. That they would separate their emotions and their fear and their phobias from that inner check and that inner hesitancy. Because Lord, if it's just a hesitancy in their mind, they should disregard it. But if there's a hesitancy in their spirit, they better listen to it. And Lord, you'll lead us into great increase. You'll lead us into great wealth. You'll lead us into great victory. You'll lead us into great abundance because you want us. Lord, you'll lead us into seeing many souls because of our witness come to the kingdom of God. You'll lead us into seeing many people healed by our hands, not just the pastor's hands. Lord, there's so much you want to accomplish through us in this earth. If we'll just learn to be led by the Holy Ghost. That's why we're doing the series to help them, Father, make a division in their hearts so that they would know what is the Spirit of God and what is themselves and what is the devil. So that you'd help us, Father, that we'd have a more successful future. In the mighty name of Jesus, I give you praise. I give you praise. My brother and sister, always look down into your spirit. No matter what the good opportunity is, no matter how wonderful it seems, no matter how great the person looks, just look down into your spirit. The Spirit of God knows everything about every scenario, every time, all the time. And He wants to protect you so that you don't go into an error. Follow those inward checks. They will keep you safe in this earth. I give you praise, Father, and I give you glory. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen and amen.